You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter. Scott Eklund, football is back a little bit later than we had hoped for, but it is back with a seven-game schedule with a championship game on December 18th and the season starting on November 6th, November 7th. So uh, great news from the presidents of the Pac-12 conference voting to start the season finally. It just seems like we've been in limbo for so long. Chris, you were on the uh, call, the webinar with the Pac-12 commissioner and some other people, but uh, anything really glaring about the conference call that you were on? No. First of all, though, did you say that it was earlier than we had hoped for? Like, like we're at, we're getting football earlier than we had hoped for. Is that what you said? Well, yeah, because they had talked about not having the season until January 1st. So yeah, it's earlier. But you said hoped. (laughs) I think everyone had hoped that we were going to start, you know, back when everybody else is starting, which is like about now. But yeah, yeah, in terms of the actual call, um, I mean, it was leaking out probably about a half hour before all the usual suspects, John Wilner, guys from ESPN and the athletic and, and, and those folks we're all kind of uh, letting the cat out of the bag that uh, the Pac-12, the CEOs had agreed um, to start a six-game schedule on November 7th, uh, going through all the way to the 12, uh, 18, 19 weekend, December, mid-December. And uh, the interesting thing about it is, is so it's going to be the five, you know, division games for the North and South, and then there's a crossover game. And then on that 12, 18, 19 weekend, that Friday is going to be the Pac-12 title game. And then on the 19th, there's going to be five other Pac-12 games so that everybody ends up getting seven games. Now, I don't, they didn't really spell out on that weekend whether it's going to be like three versus four, five versus six, seven, you know what I mean? It's, they hadn't really spelled out where that crossover game is going to go, what direction, but uh, they're, they're going to end up with seven games. And I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, I think with the with the Quidel agreement, with the daily testing uh, for COVID and, and the tracing and everything else that goes with that, that's going to really help minimize the idea of any postponements or cancellations, which you're seeing all over the country. Like right. Houston, for instance, Houston has had like four or five games canceled or postponed in a row. Their season was supposed to start like a month ago and they haven't played yet. Um, I, you know, if you're a fan of college football, I don't know what would be more frustrating, not having football at all, knowing you're not going to have football or thinking you're going to have football and then, and then having literally like the rug being thrown, uh, or taken out from under you week after week after week. Scott, everybody's going to, uh, you know, want to know the schedule. What's the schedule going to be? What's the schedule going to be? But I think this was a year where, you know, with the nine conference game, Washington only had four home games and five on the road. So. I'm guessing when the schedule comes out that um, that odd game would be a road game, which I don't know how big of a deal that is going to be with no fans in the stadium. Uh, is that uh, your kind of line of thinking, too, that that odd game would be on the road? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, that's what it sounds like, at least. And um, it sounds like the they're going to have five division games and one crossover that they that they play, and then it's just. And then you have another crossover, I guess. Some I, people don't know what you mean yeah. by crossover, Scott. What does that so, mean? So that just that just means that you're playing teams in the south. You know, for Washington, they're playing teams in the south. For for teams in the south, they're playing teams in the north. That's a crossover. So um, sounds like they'll they'll have five in division games, Pac-12 North games. So they'll play all of those games. Cal or for Washington, it would be Cal, Stanford, Oregon, Oregon State, and Washington State. Then they'd have one crossover to make the six quote unquote regular season games. And then the, that seventh game, um, I'm, you're, you're playing. So if Washington finishes second and USC finishes second in their division, then Washington plays USC. And my guess is, um, you know, they, they'd have to figure out a way to do a, you know, have the, Figure out who the home team is. I so. just took a look. I took a look, guys, at the original schedule, the the first schedule, not the revised one that came out in August. But if you took that schedule, the one scenario that I, that looked, you know, like it could happen based on where the games fell and all that, you'd start with two home games against Stanford and Arizona. Then you would go at Cal, back home to Oregon State, and then you'd finish with games at Oregon and at Washington State. And then that December 19th weekend, you'd either be playing in the title game or whatever crossover game gets scheduled for you once all the, once all the, you know, scenarios are played out. Lots of details yet to be worked out. I'm sure quite a bit of them have been worked out, you know, um, you know, talking to Jen Cohen in the spring, they were working on contingencies for everything. So a lot of the contingency plans have already been written, and I'm sure that 80% of the plans have probably been written and 20% left to go. But one thing we do know is we're going to have a season. A second thing we know, Husky football practice starts on Tuesday. According to Jimmy Lake on uh, the show last night, Chris, he said they're ready to go and practice on Tuesday. Yeah, and he said they'd be a, they'd be ready to go on Halloween if that's when they wanted to start. But he also said ideally he would want to start it on the weekend of November 7th. So I don't know how much of this he's getting his wish or how much of this he already kind of knew was in the cards. Yeah, it was interesting because what he said last night on the show was six games starting in the 6th or 7th. But what he said he was hoping for pretty much was what happened today, isn't it? If Uh if I remember correctly. Yeah, so either either he's Kreskin or – he already kind of had an inside, you know, idea of what uh, they had already determined was going to be the best path moving forward. Because if you talk to, you know, Larry Scott, if you listen to what he said, and Ray Anderson, the athletic director from Arizona State, I think one of the reasons why the the eleven seven date or that weekend of the sixth seventh made the most sense is basically to make sure that every single team in the Pac-12 had that four weeks that they could use to ramp things up. And that's based on the committee, the PAC 12 working group committee with the coaches where, you know, we remember in the spring when they were talking about what would it take to get your team ready. And they said, ideally they'd want four weeks of conditioning and then four weeks of, of, of camp. But that was literally starting cold. Well, none of the teams are starting cold, right? right? They've been practicing off and on since June. And obviously they'd also been practicing off and on in the spring as much as they could. So, you know, it, it's it, this is a case where you've got Colorado's got stuff going on right now. It looks like there's 
um, some spread going on in Utah that could affect the University of Utah. Now, all of a sudden, we already know about the things that are going on in northern Southern California. Uh, Oregon, it looks like they're starting to get their thing untangled. There were so many individual concerns with the, each local health authority that needed to be worked out. I think this was the only thing that allowed them to get that four-week ramp up, and they were all going to be able to start almost on that same date, right. give everyone basically a level playing field. And Scott, when I heard, you know, coaches saying they needed six to eight weeks, my thought on that was I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit because they were just trying to get more practice in before the season. But if they knew the season was going to be delayed and you said that they could only have four weeks, I'm sure they'd unanimously say, yeah, we're good. We're good to go. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But I mean, you always want to get the most practice in you can. And, and I, I don't, th- I think as we got closer to October, those, plans those eight weeks of prep, you know, four weeks before before camp and then four weeks for camp, um, you know, that all kind of went out the window. I mean, it, I mean that's a that's a joke. You don't need eight weeks to get ready. Yes, okay, I get it. You want to be in as good a shape as possible. You don't want guys getting hurt like we saw last week in the NFL when, God, I mean, did it seem like it was – I mean, it seemed like Custer's last stand, it seemed like, with all the guys that were dropping and everything last week. So that'll be kind of interesting to keep an eye on. But, um, yeah, I I don't think they need eight weeks. I think that's just about wanting to be have as much time with their guys as possible as they get ready for the start of these truncated seasons. But all I got to say, guys, is I am so ecstatic that the Pac-12 finally – you know, got in line and, and figured out that this is the best time for them to have, have a, have their season and, and they needed to do this and I'm, I'm glad they took it seriously. Scott, does Larry Scott deserve some heat for the way he's handled things lately? Oh, I, I don't think he, you know, I, look, Larry Scott gets a lot of, uh, flack for a lot of different things that I think are out of control. Some of this stuff is out of his control, but, you know, being the Pac-12, the largest college football conference in, well, conference in, in, you know, not just football, but basketball, all those other things in this region, they, and, and with very powerful universities, they should have been putting pressure on people like Kate Brown and Gavin Newsom from the very beginning. Now, I'm not saying they would have kowtowed to them or anything like that. And maybe, but it, it sounds like they just started putting pressure on these guys. Come on, guys. That should have been taken care of a long time ago. We could be talking about an October 24th start if that had been done. I, I don't, I, I think it, it was, it was on him to get people organized. Hey, but I don't think there was any thought that they would be in this position to be playing this month. Or I'm sorry, not this month in in uh, November, um, and their hand was kind of forced. So yeah, I think Larry Scott deserves um, at least at a minimum a little bit of flack for this, but but I think he could have shown better leadership, and and I think that's kind of been the his you know his reign as the commissioner of the Pac-12 that kind of kind of just sums up his reign. Chris, I don't know about you, but I had one moment I rolled my eyes listening to uh, the press conference or the web call. But uh, when is it Michael Schill, the president of the University of Oregon? Mm-hmm. Right. When he said nothing, money had nothing to do with these decisions. Did you roll your I, eyes a little I, bit? I, I mean, money rules all of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is disingenuous at a certain level. Um, one of the things that I thought was was interesting, one of his comments was, and this kind of ties into what Scott was saying, and I agree 
100% because I was always a proponent of when the Quidel arrangement for the, for the rapid testing for every Pac-12 school, when that was announced in August, there should have been a partner statement along with that saying that we are in the process of getting football ramped up. So like to what Scott was saying, they should have been behind the scenes going to those local authorities, whether you're talking about Lane County for Oregon or you're talking about Alameda County in the Bay Area, um, you know, or are you talking about King County for Washington? All of those, you know, those, those, the Pac-12 should have been in contact with all those people saying, look, we understand that rapid testing is a necessary thing for you guys to take us to the next level and give us the waivers required so that we can do the same types of things that maybe the pro teams have been able to do. We also know it's not sufficient. What do we need to do in order to get to that threshold? And you just don't get the sense, at least publicly, that the Pac-12 was doing any of the the behind-the-scenes work. They were simply getting the Quidel agreement in place to use for the benefit of the student-athletes for their health and safety, which is paramount. It's the most important thing. But it was like that was it. That's all they were going to do. There there was no. It was not a means to an end, which I found pretty disappointing. And I think the most uh, just I just was flabbergasted and stunned and shocked where they announced the deal with Quidel for the rapid testing, and they announced a press conference to announce this, and the schools only had a couple hours notice that this happened. This was all done. Without the knowledge of the presidents, without the knowledge of the athletic directors, it was kind of just sprung on them. So when you're talking about having these things all lined up and ready to go, hell, Larry Scott didn't even tell the schools. He gave them a couple hours notice on the whole thing. Yeah, I thought what was interesting was Ray Anderson talked about the level of communication and the collaboration and alignment of everybody in the conference in terms of keeping the health and, uh, and safety of the student athletes first and foremost, including the mental health, but then also between the ADs and like the medical advisory groups, you know, they had zoom calls. They, they were able to keep them, uh, you know, really up to date on all the latest things that were going on. So you felt like there was good connection there, but where was the connection between the top of the chain with the PAC 12, Larry Scott and, and, and his management group, where were they involved in this thing? It almost felt like at the end of the day, especially with the Quidel thing being the prime example, it was just kind of Larry Scott working unilaterally to get this thing done. And he just kind of, like you said, just kind of sprung it on everyone. And it's like, yeah, this is great news. Why didn't we know about it? Because we could have done a lot more behind the scenes to kind of move the ball with the local health authorities to really – kind of push football in the direction it needed to go i mean and you know when you're caught unawares like that what are you supposed to do well i think there's well i don't want to say too much but it helps to keep people in the loop and larry's not real good about keeping people in the loop but uh hey we're going to take a short break and when we return we're going to talk about uh, what does this mean for eligibility for football players um some interesting things to talk about there more on that when we return it's the guys from dogman.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. The Pac-12 has decided to go ahead with the vote today to start football on November 6th, 7th with a uh, seven-game schedule, championship game schedule for December 18th. Jimmy Lake and company will be starting fall football camp. It is fall. It's fall. We're no longer in summer, right? So fall football camp will begin this coming Tuesday. But one of the interesting things I'm not sure a lot of people are aware of, Scott, is this year, if you play, it doesn't matter. Everybody gets an extra year of eligibility. What does that mean for University of Washington? Any players jump out at you who that will be huge for? Well, you know, I and um, I, I talked to somebody today, and and they kind of said the same thing to me, which was the, it's nice that the NCAA was going to do that, and I, I think they did that in the best interest of the players, but. I mean, Barry Alvarez came out almost immediately after it was announced that that was going to happen, and he said, "We're not going to honor that because it's a finance, it's a huge financial, mm. yeah, hit on these schools to do this." So um, I'm not saying Washington. I I have no idea. You know, I haven't asked anybody what Washington's thinking on this, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Washington said, "Yeah, we're not going to honor that because we already have a huge deficit that we're going to be running for and and." You know, and, and I've talked to some parents and everything like that, and they've said, yeah, it, it's kind of weird because this is technically his junior year, not his senior year, you know, and or this is technically his sophomore year, and he could leave, but he could also play two more years if if he isn't ready to go. So, you know, I, you know, the NC, this is where, you know, for all those people that are calling for a, a commissioner for whatever you want to call it for college football and, and some of these big things, it would be really nice for these, you know, to have some sort of say, but you know, Mark Emmert, his, his people don't take any consideration in that the financial impacts this could have on these schools. And Chris, so, yeah, I just don't know. Hey, Chris, it's a small senior class. So I don't think having the seniors is going to impact as much as the freshmen were a guy like Jalen McMillan. Will be able to come in and play some snaps and then he will be a redshirt freshman. I mean, he's just going to be a regular freshman come next year, just like this latest signing class. So it's going to get a little bit weird next year when it comes to eligibility over the next couple of years. It, it will be. And I agree. There is a financial burden that certainly is in play here. One of the things I would say, and, and maybe it was a hint as to how Washington's going to deal with this down the road. But if you remember from yesterday's show with Jimmy Lake, Jimmy Lake show, he basically laid out how this eligibility thing was going to work. So the, the number of seniors that are here at Washington right now, which I think he said it was either 12 or 13. I can't remember the exact number. I think it may have changed because of, of Levi Anzarike's decision. I'd have to go back and look at the specific number, but that is the number of scholarships that they can now extend. So if it was 10 instead of 85, you could now have up to 95. Um, he seemed pretty down with it when um, talking about it. Now that might just be his reaction. That may not, you know, reflect the financial realities of it. Jen Cohen may have a totally different opinion on that, but I got the sense that Jimmy was absolutely like, hey, if we can have these 10 guys available for the fall of 2021, let's do it. And and they can certainly make their own decisions 
based on, you know, where they are academically. Have they already graduated? Because like Levi, Levi had already gotten his degree and it sounds like Joe Tryon is really close. So they can always make those types of decisions, but you're absolutely right, Kim. One other thing that I would say is this really takes one of the big headaches out of the equation, which would have been, what do you do with the kids that would be enrolling early for 2021 and still try to have a season that started in January? Could those guys even be eligible? I think they've already said they probably couldn't be, but it just adds another layer of headache if you decided to play then in the winter instead of November, which is going to happen. Scott, Chris, uh, I mean, Scott, Levi Anuzrike declared for the draft. Joe Tryon declared for the draft. Um, I don't think there's a chance either one of them will come back on Twitter tonight. Um, Elijah Molden said, see you November 6th. So it sounds like Elijah coming back. Comment on those three guys. Well, you know, Joe Tryon had been pretty outspoken on, on his, um, on the we are united, hashtag we are united, uh, front and, um, you know, he, he made the uh, financial decision for he and his family and, and it's his life. I think it was a mistake. I think he needed another year to really prove and, and solidify his spot as possibly, uh, as possibly a, um, you know, first rounder. I, I think, I don't think he's going to be going in the first round, especially skipping, uh, the season. Uh, Levi, you know, I'd seen the CBS project him in the first round. I, I don't, I don't see that. I think he's a little on the short side to be that guy. But, uh, very disruptive player. Um, and if he's playing in the right spot, which I think is a three tech instead of nose tackle, which he played last year for the Huskies, I think he could be a real find for whoever gets him in the third, fourth round. I think he's going to be, do pretty well. As far as Elijah Molden coming back, everything that I, that I had heard was that he was probably gone. He, no, no one told me definitively he was gone, but pretty much everybody had said, yeah, he's probably gone. He, I don't think he's going to be able to boost his stock much more, but some kids just love the college game and they want to be part of it. And heck, Elijah Molden, God forbid. God forbid he hurts himself this year. Um, let's say he hurts himself late in the season and he can't do any draft prep. Guess what? You could get him back next year if if they if that does hold true. So you know if he does uh, decide that he wants to come back for one more season. So um, big uh, big things for Washington in the secondary. Now they're secondary. I mean I I really thought if Molden was gone, it was time for. Kyler Gordon to step up and become yeah. the star that I think we were all thinking. And I still think Kyler's going to play quite a bit, but I, I think Elijah Molden's going to have that uh, slot corner locked up and, and Kyler Gordon will come in as a red shirt. What will he be? A red shirt junior next year? Red, yeah, red shirt junior next year. And, and man, he could be, he could be an absolute stud and only, only be one year starter because he's good enough to go to the NFL from a talent standpoint. Yeah, Chris, I think that was the only disappointment I have with learning that Elijah's coming back because I'd like to see a lot more of Elijah, of uh, Kyler Gordon selfishly. But uh, Elijah Molden, if he is indeed coming back, which it looks like, he's good. He's, I mean, he's a special player, Chris. Oh, he absolutely is, and there's no doubt about it. If Now, if they had made the decision not to play until January, I would have bet everything that I own that he would have turned pro. I mean, there's really just nothing, there's no upside to it. Especially if you agree with Jimmy Lake, like I do, that one of the, uh, dis- one of the key factors in the reasons why Joe Tryon and Levi Anzarike decided to turn pro and get an agent already is because the NFL has not moved 
the dates back for the combine and for the draft. So they feel like, hey, time's a waste and we got to get prepped because the NFL doesn't care what's going on in college. They've got these set dates. They got the combine in February. They got the draft. When is it going to be in April? They, they, they got, there's no time to waste on this kind of stuff. And, um, so they really want to max out their, their combine prep and do everything possible to get ready for that because that's their future. You know, UW is not their future. The NFL is their future. Um, one thing I would also say too, and I really want to make this very clear because I don't think we've been very clear at all about this on the message boards, but I just feel like people are conflating this idea of opting in and out compared to can they come back or not if they've had an, if they've gotten an agent. The, the NCAA has always been very clear for years. If you hire an agent, you're a pro. You can't come back. Your, your eligibility is gone. So that's always been a hard and fast rule. But here's the, here's the, here's the, 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 the kind of the wrench in the works in 2020. Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, when they first decided that they weren't going to play, they were going to postpone until 2021, he said flat out they were not going to revisit this subject. It was a dead issue for him. Well, there were players at, you know, Ohio State and other players where they were like, well, okay, if, if, if this thing is, de- if you're definitely not playing in the fall, we're turning pro. We're getting agents. Well, now you're getting guys that are coming back and saying, well, wait a second. We based our decision on your information, on your, on you saying the decision was done. It was dead. So now what the big, big tens having to do is they're having to walk that back saying, okay, well, you can come back. So that's the difference between guys in the big 10 hiring an agent and being able to come back compared to guys in the Pac-12 hiring agents and not being able to come back. Because of all the things you can fault Larry Scott for, and there's an exhaustive list, he did not say that. He never said it. Nobody in the Pac-12 ever said it was a dead issue. They always left open that door saying, look, it's a possibility. We could come back, but there's all these things that have to happen. And thankfully, they have happened. Um, the other thing I would say, too, is the opt-in, opt-out thing had everything to do with COVID. That's all it was about. If you were afraid that COVID might infect, you might get infected with it, or you might pass it to your family, or you might be at risk if you have a pre-existing condition, all those types of things, that they, they gave you an option to opt out, and it wouldn't affect anything in terms of your eligibility, all this other stuff. You'd still be able to come back. You'd still be able to do all those things. You stay in school. You stay. You keep up with your academics. You have to keep up your workload but you just weren't going to play. Well, now a guy like Rondell Moore, for instance, for Purdue, he's coming back, but he opted out. He didn't hire it. He opted out. And so now he's coming back. So that's the difference. I just want to make sure we were clear on that because I've seen a lot of people say, well, why can't Levi opt back in? Well, Levi never opted out. Or Joe, he they never opted out. They hired agents. Well, let's be real. Let's be real clear. The chances of Levi or uh, Joe Tryon returning is zero. It's zero point zero. And I know people are, are disappointed with Joe, and I understand uh, Scott's opinion. I certainly respect it. But, you know, there's obviously a lot of people out there that feel like Joe jumped early. And that he, I think he's the one that everyone's kind of like, oh, you know, why did he do it so early? Look, Joe Tryon, I don't think he ever had it in his mind that he was going to play once the thing got postponed, once the thing got postponed, he only had one thing in his mind, 
and that was how quickly can I get ready for this for the pro combine? That that's that's my opinion, but that's based on his actions. Let's go ahead and get this wrapped up so we can get this thing posted, and uh, we've got a lot of work coming up shortly. But uh, Scott Eklund, anything last minute that you need to add, want to add? Well, what I'm looking forward to is, okay, let's find out the schedule uh, home in a way so I can get it on my calendar so my wife doesn't yell at me. Um, but, uh, no, just, I, I'm just excited. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see how many practices we'll be able to see. Probably won't be as many as we're used to. Um, but, you know, I, I have a feeling Jimmy's going to let us all kind of come. And if people abide by the rules, um, then I think we'll, we'll be fine and, and everything like that. I'm just excited to see some real football and, and be, I, I, <laughs> I, I can't tell you, I was not looking forward to watching football in January, February, March. I wanted to see it in the fall. The, football belongs in the fall. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, they all should have football surrounding them, and, and that's what we're going to have. And I'm excited about it, and um, I, I, I've canceled my, uh, uh, my uh, retainer with our uh, marriage counselor, so we should be good. You know what? I'll do it for free. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, but yours usually results in somebody not being married anymore. So um, that's the I'm point. Good. That, that's yeah. the point. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to be married, Kim. I want to be married. All right, all right. Uh, Chris Fetters, any any last minute thoughts? Um, just that you know, for the people wondering, you know, what are what are we going to be able to do at practice? How much are we going to be able to do all this stuff? Yeah, I I think we could get information on that as early as tonight, but it could be next week when the schedule is actually released. So there's just so much more that I'm sure they're working out the details uh, right now. I know that Coach Lake and his staff have already uh, been in the works. We already know that practice is going to start on Tuesday, how that practice actually looks, whether it's still kind of smaller groups or they're going to be able to do more and more, um, you know, based on the daily testing. How does that work with the King County Health Authorities? There's still a lot to be worked out. But uh, as soon as we find out what practices we're going to be able to go to, what we're going to be able to cover, we'll certainly let you guys know. And then the other thing I would say, too, is that let's not forget basketball. Uh, men's and women's basketball uh, got the go-ahead to start on the um, weekend of uh, – or November 18th, week of November, right? November 25th. Oh, 25th. And, but they can start as early as October 14th, subject to the local health authorities and what they can allow and not allow – for because obviously everything's going to be indoors. So um, just want to make sure that the people that are wondering about basketball too, it looks like it's going to start up earlier than expected. Um, you know, Larry Scott was asked whether or not he's thought about, are they going to do conference games in December, which they've never really done before. And he said, it's, it's on the table. He said, just because it's such an unusual situation, um, they're, they're looking at all the different options. Um, obviously they've got, got to look at testing protocols for like non-conference games and what the opponent is doing so that they, there's no, you know, issue of spread or anything like that. They've got to make sure the other team is, is getting tested the way that, uh, the Pac-12 teams are and those kinds of things. Still so much to be talked about and, and figured out, but, uh, football's back and that's, I, I can't be more excited for that. Scott Eklund, just real quick before I, uh, do my final thoughts. Um, yesterday, actually today, um, you did a recruiting podcast with Brandon Huffman, which will go out first thing Friday morning. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Uh, it, uh, it's about 45 minutes with Brandon Huffman. We're talking 2021, 2022, 2023. A lot of local guys, um, get some info on some 2021 commits that, um, people might not know a lot about. And because of the, you know, the limited access we've had to recruits and, and we'll go watch them at camps or anything like that. He gave, gave, uh, some thoughts on, on a couple different guys. Also gave his thoughts on the two commits for 2022, Chance Bogan and Jeremy Bernard. Um, so, uh, lots to talk about. We, t- we, yes, we do talk about JT and Emeka. You definitely are going to want to listen to it. You know, you talk about uh, injuries because players not having enough time to ramp up. Um, we're pretty much going to be going from zero to 60 starting next week as well with football practice. And I hope neither one of you are injured along the way. But uh, football is back and we're glad to be back. And, you know, the best part about football and what we do is being around the coaches, being around the players and being able to, you know, be behind the scenes and see all that stuff. So really looking forward to that first practice that we're able to go too, I'm sure it'll be somewhat like the Seahawks. We'll have to get tested and we'll be up in the stand, socially distanced and Zoom interviews. So I'm sure that's what it's going to consist of, but hopefully we'll get more information on that. Scott, you've had the COVID test. Chris, I don't think you have, but uh, hopefully we get the rapid testing and we don't have to have that Q-tip put way at the back of your sinuses again because that was miserable when I had it done. But uh, get ready. We're going to deluge you with coverage coming up soon. So um, for those who haven't signed up already, if you're looking for those daily updates and breaking news alert, we'll be ramping that back up as well. Just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com. We will get you those alerts for breaking news as well as daily updates. But uh, hopefully we'll have practice reports and a lot of stuff for you guys. So, uh, And Kim, also real quick, because football is back, we're celebrating it. 60% off a yearly membership right now to dogman.com and the 24-7 Sports Network. Or you can do one month for a buck to see how it is, see if you like it or not. But, um, you know, this is our way of, of trying to get people back. We know that a lot of people were, like, really frustrated, disappointed that there wasn't football. But, hey, football's back now. We're, we want you back. We want everybody back, even though there aren't going to be any fans in the stands, unfortunately, for the games. This is, this is one way we can, you know, kind of get everybody back. We're going to have obviously game day message boards covering everything. All the tele, you know, games are going to be televised, obviously. So this is a way to get back into the community and, um, and, and hopefully kind of whet your appetite for something even more in 2021. Nobody goes as in depth as the guys at dogman.com. It's kind of, we kind of laugh because we have it all and, uh, everybody reads us. Trust me, everybody reads what we're doing. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenold, along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Tighten your seatbelts. It's about to start. Go dogs.